From the American Tobacco Historic District in downtown Durham, this is Due South on WUNC. I'm Jeff Tabiri. Ahead this hour, co-host Leonida Inch speaks with an artist who's been called one of the most influential and prolific American artists of the last three decades, Lyle Ashton Harris. There's some self-portraits when I was a, you know, I was in a Wesleyan from 87. And what does it mean to now be 58, going to be 59 <laughs> in a couple of months and sort of like the process of aging? Lyle Ashton Harris in conversation with Leonida Inge later this hour on Due South. But first, planes, trains, and public funding. If you follow the news closely, you might have heard about a private jet company in Kinston, North Carolina. With nearly 100 jets, from light jets to spacious, large-sized cabins, Fly Exclusive has the ability and expertise to quickly fly you to your destination without the layovers or endless security checkpoints. Our staff includes over 280 experienced ATP-rated pilots, and we hold the highest safety certifications. That's because the company, Fly Exclusive, is getting $30 million to build a facility to train pilots. Richard Stradling covers transportation for the News and Observer, and he's here to tell us about his reporting and this story, as well as others. Richard, welcome to Do South. Hi, thank you. So... We're going to pick up with this private jet company. It's in a pretty small town. It gets state funding in the neighborhood of $30 million for a project that they really want to happen. Um, Why? Why are they getting the funding or why are they in this small town? Let's start with why are they in this small town? Yeah. So the founder and uh, president of the company, uh, chairman of the company, um, Jim Seagrave, is a Kinston native, and um, he had uh, run a private jet company in the past and sold it and wanted to start another one. Um, you know, looked at his hometown, but also he has he has extended family there and um, who are tied to the Global Trans Park, the North Carolina Global Trans Park, which is just outside of Kinston, built around a very long runway with lots of land. And, um, and it's, the family members were saying, you know, you ought to put your new company here. And it was a good spot, a good fit. There's plenty of land. Um, plenty of room for airplanes to park airplanes and to to do work. So that's where he chose to do it. All right. We've got Charlotte and the fifth or sixth busiest airport in the world based on takeoffs and landings. Raleigh is constantly expanding, uh, has multiple international flights, has some discount air carriers. Kinston, North Carolina, small community, private jet company. Is there a market for this? Are there people who are tapping into this? So th- this is the headquarters of the company. It's where they um, it's where they they arrange the flights, but it's not where people are flying in and out of. So these planes are are um, are all kept all around the country. The pilots are kept all around the country. And so when a wealthy person wants to go from a big city to their vacation home in the mountains or whatever. They can, um, you know, dial up the company and, and the plane can meet them wherever they are and take them wherever they want to go. But in terms of maintaining the planes and dispatching them and doing all the work that, that needs to be done to run this company, that's done in Kinston. It's almost like a cheap parking lot. It's a cheap parking lot, but um, as they see it, it's a good place to recruit the kind of people who work on airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of military bases in, in mm-hmm. within a, an hour of eastern North Carolina, and um, and it's a, a good place to, to live, really, if you have a good job. I think about Pope Air Force Base. I think about Elizabeth City with uh, a pretty, from what I've read, I think from your reporting over the years, a really good uh, flight training program. These are relatively short 
uh, flights away. Or, or is well, this well, part of Camp, the equation? Camp Lejeune, of course. Um, uh, Fort Liberty, which Fort Bragg, and Fort not Bragg, too far away. Yep. yeah. Um, and um, and the Navy Sorry, up Fort in Liberty, yes. Yeah, and the and the Navy up in um, Norfolk, Virginia. So, and Virginia Beach. So there's a lot of people coming out of the military who have the skills that this company is looking for. Thirty million dollars. What do they need it for? So they um, they can do almost anything they need to do to their planes in um, in Kinston. One thing they can't do is train their pilots there. Um, their pilots are sent to training facilities with the, the flight simulators that are scattered around the country, and they have to get in line with other companies to and other um, uh, uh, companies that are trying to get their pilots trained. And so there's, as they described, is a, a bottleneck. And so they wanted to have a flight training facility in Kinston. They also wanted a, a headquarters. Um, it's a growing company. They have about 500 employees in Kinston, 800 overall. And, um, and so they um, are looking to build a building that will cost about 35 to $40 million to build. And then each of the simulators, they're going to put in three. Those are $12 million each. So the company is paying a fair amount of money into this as well. Um, the $30 million from the General Assembly builds most of this building. Um, what's interesting about it is the, the state will own the building. Um, the state owns all the property. So Fly Exclusive owns a couple of its buildings. It also leases some of its buildings, but it owns none of the land that's underneath um, its, its complex there. And it won't own this building either. An interesting public-private partnership. Uh, we're chatting here on Due South with Richard Stradling. He's a transportation reporter for the News and Observer. We're talking about Fly Exclusive, which is um, a private aviation company uh, based in Kinston, North Carolina. You've mentioned Global Transpark a couple times. For our listeners that might not be familiar, tell us a little bit more, please. Yeah, so this this was uh, created by the General Assembly, and it was based on an idea that the future of manufacturing would be built around airports or at least runways and that um, that companies would want to locate near a runway, uh, have components flown in, do the assembly, and then fly out finished products. And and the the, um, the runway at, at Kinston has been there since the war, since World War II. Um, it's the third largest or longest um, uh, private runway or um, in the in the eastern part of the United States so it's a it's a huge runway lots of vacant land around it and this seemed like a, a good spot for this so the general assembly created this thing it never really took off and um, most of that land is still un, unoccupied there, there is a company called spirit um, that manufactures fuselages for airbuses but those are those are the components are brought in um, by ship and the and the components or the finished fuselage pieces are also taken out through Moorhead City on on ships sent back to France. Uh, lots of threads and layers to aviation in North Carolina, Richard. I mentioned you know bustling airports in Charlotte and Raleigh earlier. Uh, there is an, an entity, a, a portion of the aviation industry that you know a lot about, aviation tectonics, that is kind of built around or, or close to Piedmont Triad International Airport in Greensboro. Is this connected at all to that? It's not connected, but it is sort of playing out the way they thought it might down in Kinston, but hasn't. Um, so you've got companies like Honda Jet and Boom Supersonic and, and uh, is, uh, Cessna is there as well. And FedEx is doing packaging, but but those companies are 
locating around the big runway and um, doing manufacturing that uses the runway for either uh, bringing in components or, or um, you know, moving their, their planes out. And that's what people thought was going to happen in Kinston. The, if you talk to, talk to folks, the, they'll say that the reason it didn't happen in Kinston was there's not a direct interstate highway connection. And, of course, Greensboro and the Winston, uh, Winston-Salem area are, are surrounded by highways. There's been plenty of national, there's been plenty of ink spilled uh, within national publications about pilot shortages and a a labor workforce issue within aviation. Does this help to maybe get at that problem? Um, Well, Fly Exclusive says that they do not have trouble recruiting people. Um, People want to fly jets. And and I think this is, working for a company like this is probably uh, easier Um, I don't know what the pay is like, but probably easier than working for an airline. All right. We're going to transition from planes to trains. Uh, Last week, a billion dollar grant, that's nine zeros, was announced uh, in an effort to appropriate funds to help with high-speed rail from Raleigh to Richmond. How far does a billion dollars get you? It gets you from Raleigh to Wake Forest. Um, So what, what DOT will do with this money is build the first section of this um, eventual uh, um, line that goes all the way up to Richmond, but it'll take it up to Wake Forest and it won't be just a stub that's not used. It will allow um, DOT to extend the Piedmont, which is the train that runs uh, four times daily between Raleigh and Charlotte. Um, that that train, instead of ending in Raleigh will and beginning in Raleigh, will end and begin in Wake Forest. Um, presumably making it more convenient for um, a number of people in, in, in that part of Wake County. Let's widen the lens here. Tell yeah. us about, this isn't just Raleigh to Richmond, right? Like this right. is part of a, a larger corridor. Right. Um, the idea is to, um, you know, have train, train travel that's, that's convenient, um, basically through the Southern Crescent from Washington, D.C. to Atlanta. And there are, are going to be different aspects to this. Um, there was a, uh, part of this this infrastructure bill announcement that, that's being made um, includes $700 million, I understand, to uh, replace a bridge over the Potomac River in Washington, which is a kind of a bottleneck for trains from the southeast getting into D.C. and then up to the northeast. And um, it's shared with a, a freight line right now, and they're trying to, to they're going to build a whole new bridge that's just dedicated to passenger trains. We're going to step aside in a moment, but I'm going to ask you to answer this concisely, and then we're going to build on it on the other side. Is there a market, is there desirability from enough North, enough North Carolinians that eventually, if and when there's a high-speed rail from Raleigh to Richmond, that people are going to use it regularly? I think so. And I, I think, too, that it's not just Raleigh to Richmond. I think it's mostly Raleigh to D.C. And Virginia's working on the other, the, the, the end from Richmond to D.C. And the reason they're doing that is that um, I-95 is at capacity and there's nowhere to, to widen it. Um, and and the, the thought is that if they did widen it, it would just fill up again. And so that's why Rich, uh, Virginia is investing in rail. Having been on that stretch of I-95, I'm going to fact check you here, and that is an accurate <laughs> assessment. Uh, Richard Stradling is here with us on Due South. He's a transportation reporter for the Raleigh News and Observer. We will continue our conversation in a moment. And then later this hour, Leonida Inch interviews artist Lyle Ashton Harris. That's all ahead on Due South on WUNC. 
Welcome back. It's Due South on WUNC. I'm Jeff Tiberi. Here in studio is Richard Stradling, transportation reporter at the News and Observer, who's with us here for a few more minutes. And then you'll hear from Leonita Inge as she speaks with an artist whose work focuses on identity. Richard and I are talking uh, about rail and high-speed rail and a billion dollars that uh, is coming for uh, an effort to get the Raleigh to Richmond corridor going. What's the timeline here? DOT has been reluctant to talk about this in detail until the announcement is made. And so um, I, I have not seen a timeline, but they are ready to go with some of these projects. Some of them are, have been in the works. So if you, if you think about the train line that exists between Raleigh and Wake Forest, there's a number of crossings um, of busy streets, and those are going to – they're going to – uh, replace those with either bridges or underpasses. And some of those have been in the works and the planning for a long time and I think are ready to go now that they've got the money. Um, they want to build uh, new stations, one in, in North Raleigh somewhere and probably a, a new station in Wake Forest. So those are going to take some time. They probably need to um, acquire some right-of-way along the line. Eminent so, domain. Eminent domain. Yeah. Um, or, you know, negotiated. Sure, okay. Yeah, but... Um, what are we but, talking, five years, 10 yeah, years, I, 20 I, years? I, I don't think it's going to be that long. Okay. Now they've got the construction money. I mean, they've done the engineering work, okay. um, and, and the federal government has actually helped with that. Um, they've, they've got $110 million in, in grants from the federal government to help with that kind of work. So they're, they're ready to go, and this is the first real big construction money. And, um, and, and so I, I think we'll see things get started pretty quickly. Numbers in radio can be dangerous. Yes. That acknowledged, I'm going to push for some numbers here. You said a billion dollars gets you from Raleigh to Wake Forest. How many more billions will be needed for this project to, to see? I, yeah, I have not seen that kind of estimate. Um, but you also have to think that this is probably the most expensive section to build because of the real estate prices along there, because of the number of crossings that they need to deal with, um, because of the stations. Uh, you know, once you get north of, of the Wake County line, it's much more rural. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll want to build a station in Norlina, probably or in that area. Sure. Uh, so I assume it's going to be much cheaper. On the other side of the line in Virginia, Virginia needs to rebuild the, the, the line because the the, the corridor is still there, but the tracks have been taken up. Um, so, but in essence, North Carolina needs to rebuild it as well. So um, even though there's tracks there now, there's not going to be the ones that they use to put these trains on. I've got family in Richmond. I make this drive several times a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully no Virginia State troopers are listening, but at times I surpass 80 miles per hour. How fast will these trains go? The, uh, d- the design speed is up to 110 miles per hour. Okay. So that's, um, you know, that's going to be comparable to the to the fastest trains that you have in the Northeast. Excella type of. Yes, yeah. exactly. How many stops could, do you anticipate? Yeah, so I think, uh, I do think they'll have a stop in North Raleigh. So starting in Raleigh, but another stop uh, maybe in the Spring Forest Road area. Um, and then and then Wake Forest. Um, I'm not sure if there's one plan for, for Franklin County. Um, there'll probably be a lot of pressure to do that. Mm-hmm. One in Norlina. And then, as you know, when you get beyond um, beyond know. the Virginia yeah. line, there's not a lot between there and Petersburg. Mm-hmm. And it'd probably be Petersburg that might be the next one. So I don't want to sound like a Scrooge here, but maybe I'm going to sound like a Scrooge for a moment. I think about the drive I make up to Richmond, and if it takes me 15 bucks of gas in my car, are we now potentially, years down the road, talking about, oh, okay, for me, my wife, and, and the kids, it's going to be uh, 
four tickets at 25 or 30 or $35. And I just, I wonder about the cost here of whether or not people will routinely do this or if this is going to be kind of like, oh, one time neat thing. Yeah. Well, a couple of things to think about. First of all, I do think most people are going to go beyond Richmond. So it's, the calculation is going to be sitting on I-95, um, getting to DC. Do I need my car in DC? Um, you know, or if I'm going to New York or going to Philadelphia, um, also, I think about, you know, what, what's happened with the Piedmont between Raleigh and Charlotte. That's a three-hour trip. Um, certainly, you can make that by car. Um, in a similar amount of time. In a similar amount yeah. of time. And, but people are, are increasingly taking the train because they, it's become more convenient. And it depends on what you're doing on, the, on either end. If you're, you know, if you're going to uptown Charlotte and, you know, with Uber and everything now, it's, it's easy to get around your destination once you get where you're going. So um, I think people are finding that it's, it's less hassle to get on the train. Um, you can get some work done if that's what you want to do. I like to just look out the window. But um, it, it's a lot less stressful than uh, getting on yeah. I-40 and yes, I-85. It's wonderful and peaceful. Um, maybe a way to tie a bow on this. Uh, to drive from Raleigh to Washington right now could take you four hours, four hours and 15 minutes if you leave at the precisely correct moment. It also could take you six to six and a half hours. Do you care to render an estimate as to high-speed rail from Raleigh to D.C., how long that will take once it's there? That's a good question. I would. It would be an estimate on my part, but um, it, it would probably be uh, four, four to five hours. It depends on what Virginia is able to do between Richmond and sure. D.C., and I'm not familiar with that um, uh, but they're they're working hard to get this the same sort of 110 mile per hour um, yeah. speed limit up there as well. And Raleigh to Richmond, uh, probably probably the two and a half hour. Um, I would think if they can, it, you know, it depends on how many stops they've got. And there's the cost of a ticket, the cost of a cup of coffee in the dining car, and then there's the cost of avoiding I-95, which is of course priceless. Right. Um, Richard Stradling is here with us on Due South. He covers transportation for the News and Observer. We've got just another uh, moment or two, but would love to uh, glance back at 2023. What's the biggest transportation story or the top two or three stories for you uh, in the transportation realm from this past year? Well, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot going on with transportation, and we could we could spend a long time on all this. They're, they're, uh, RDU is getting a new runway. Sure. Um, RDU is getting a uh, tripling the size of its uh, largest you know remote parking lot. Um, the contracts have been let to finish NC540, the outer loop around Raleigh. So that work is going to get started in the coming year. Raleigh um, is breaking ground on its uh, bus rapid transit line, its first bus rapid transit line, the first in North Carolina, um, out on Newburn Avenue. So um, that's going to be a new type of transit for the Triangle. We've got big projects that are kind of finishing up, uh, I-40 and the Beltline. Um, and uh, an ongoing story every year is the DMV and the long lines at the at the DMV driver's license offices and the Agency's been working on that, and there's going to be more to come next year. Anything worth noting as we turn our attention toward 2024 policy changes or uh, just shifts you're expecting? In well, I do, I do think there will be um, some changes at the DMV, I, um, and I think they're, they're going to probably try and get some more money for new offices in Charlotte and the Triangle, um, something that, you know, DMV is not kept up with uh, population growth in those two big areas. And, um, and it shows, especially in the summertime, when, which is their busy season. Richard Stradling is a reporter for the News and Observer. 
His beat is transportation, and he has been helping us uh, better understand uh, an aviation operation in Kinston, a billion-dollar rail grant, and some of the biggest transportation stories of the year. Richard, thanks for joining us on Do South. Oh, you're welcome. I'm Jeff Tiberi. More Do South in a moment on WUNC. 